1: to the king of the Nagas. Actually, when we chant this morning, it's basically salutation to everything. <laughs> Devo- Bhakti, love, or devotion to everything. Don't leave anything out. Even when we chant Vande Gurunam, Vande salutations, I bow down to uh, Guru Nam, the plurality of everything. And I really like translating guru as it comes over into English, which is uh, gravity. Salutations to the center of gravity. (laughs) What doesn't have a center of gravity? (laughs) It's like saying salutations to um, the center of everything, which is everything, which comes out of everything and when it's subtracted from everything it's still everything it's like saying the symptom is uh, symbolic of something repressed Okay, but it's still everything (laughs) it's like saying the citta vritti is obscuring reality but the citta vritti is everything it's everything manifesting in that moment Or as we quoted from the Mahabharata two days ago, um, what's here is everywhere and what isn't here is nowhere. And that's why Patabi Joyce calls this practice a mala. In fact, the title of his book is Yoga Mala. A mala is a garland that one wears around his or her neck or twists around their wrist. A lanyard, boondoggle. Mm -hmm. boondoggle is like your yoga mat it's some kind of plastic made of everything a lanyard is woven together from everything I'm going to talk for a few minutes this morning about our last day together Um, which is also everything I'll start about. I'll start with the subject of talking. Actually, screaming. Manic screaming by Hafiz. We should make all spiritual talk simple today. God is trying to sell you something, but you don't want to buy it. That is what your suffering is. Your fantastic haggling. Your manic screaming over the price. You're screaming over the press. Well, we haven't talked a lot about God. But let us just say that the world in every moment is presenting you with everything. So what are you haggling over? When it's time to sit still, sit still. Don't haggle. When you're in a yoga posture, set up the alignment in the first few breaths and then stop fidgeting in the pose. Breathe the pose and pay attention to the prana and the apana, the inhaling patterns and the exhaling patterns, and how they come together, and how when you pay close attention, the inhaling pattern becomes the exhaling pattern, just as upward dog has all the alignment (coughs) principles of downward dog. Just as how your enemy is you. Just as how when the sun sets, it doesn't actually set. I mean, does the sun set? For you, the sun sets. But the sun does not set. The sun is doing what the sun does it's roaring away. What roar is more silent than the sun? What roar could be more silent than the song? And so Hafiz would say the roar of everything. Everything. Everything is made of silence. Yeah. So how to find in your practice this place of psychological stillness? Because that's what renunciation is leading towards. We're not spending our days sitting still. None of you are. You have a lot of responsibility (laughs) and you can't sit still, but there can be in all of your action a kind of stillness. To return again to this theme we've been exploring that I hope has become clear, which is this relationship between renunciation and togetherness. We asked this question a couple of days ago, what are you going to let go of? What are you going to let go of in the three spheres body, speech, and mind? What are you going to let go of? Have you been asking this question? I heard rumors about your night last night. <laughs> did some of you go to a bar? <laughs> oh, the rumors are
2: untrue. <laughs> no, we did go, but we didn't stay. Ah. Uh. <laughs> You didn't inhale. We
3: went to the log and we looked at a piece of art. But we have to confess, uh,
4: some of us got to the restaurant too early and it was raining and it was loud. So because we're frail
2: creatures (laughs) with no fur, we did go to the closest
1: bar and did consume a lovely glass of wine. (laughs) Beautiful. I would have done exactly the same thing. The first thing I'll do at 345. (laughs) (laughs) Let me read you a little poem uh, by the American poet, Billy Collins, The Lanyard. (coughs) Everybody knows what a lanyard is?
3: Yeah, the, actually, it's kind of convention talk. People go to conventions and get lanyards to put the name tag on. It's a, it, well, it's the woven thing that often has the name of the organization. Um, and the,
1: the and yeah the lanyard people like us, it doesn't just like that. So <coughs> And well. in the 30s and 40s, this was a popular thing that kids would make at summer camp
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: the lanyard. The other day, as I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever have (laughs) The other day, as I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, bouncing from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, I found myself in the L section of the dictionary, where my eyes fell upon the word Lanyard No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one more suddenly into the past. A past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake learning how to braid thin plastic strips into a lanyard. A gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them. But that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand, again and again, until I made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted teaspoons of medicine to my lips, set cold face cloths on my forehead. Then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk, and swim, and I in turn presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, and here is clothing and a good education, and here is your lanyard, (laughs) I (laughs) cried, which I made with a little help from a counselor. (laughs) here is a breathing body and a beating heart strong legs, bones and teeth and two clear eyes to read the world she whispered and here I said
2: (laughs) is the lanyard I made at camp
1: (laughs) and here I wish to say to her now is a smaller gift not the archaic truth that you can never repay your mother but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hands I was as sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. (laughs) I was sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. (laughs) <laughs> and for a mother it is yeah. yeah. in that moment your son hands you the, <laughs> yeah. the giving tree you know the giving tree yes yeah. you take your time and you weave something together and I wondered about thinking about this poem in terms of practice you take all of this time and you weave this practice together out of boredom Um, are you going to hold on to it for yourself And are you going to keep it can you take everything that you accumulated this week and give it away pass it on yesterday I think Michelle talked to you a little bit about Avalokiteshvara Kuan Yin this image of Kuan Yin is so beautiful But she is not only um, struggling to stay afloat on the waves of samsara, but she's also being blown by the winds of samsara. And when you look at her posture, she's just holding herself up. And in the midst of being blown by habit, which is, I think, how most of us go through our weeks, (coughs) She's taking her sadness, her personal sadness, salt water, and she's pouring it back into the ocean. Of course, in India, this is one of the most holy things you can do, is you can take the holiest water, which is the Ganges, pick it up, and pour it back into itself. Because if you take the holiest thing, what are you going to do with it? You're going to give it to the holiest thing. So you take the water and you just pour it back into itself. From the whole emerges the whole. Can you take your tears and your habits and pour them back into the fact that there are tears and habits? Handing the lanyard over. And then you're even. Why were you even, because your intention in that moment was to take something that you really spent your time creating and giving it away? <coughs> does he know why he's giving it away in the poem? He does and he doesn't. You know? I mean, maybe if camp just said, this is what you're supposed to do. But the mother receives it. And that was your first response, Kathy, was, And the mother receives it. She takes it. And you're even. Can you leave here and practice generosity? Can you leave here and practice patience and flexibility? Can you leave here and tell the people closest to you how much you appreciate them? It's so easy to tell the people closest to you how they're not living up to your standards, or these standards. Um, Can we change people's minds through affection? Can we practice affection as a means of creating intimacy? And can the practice of affection as a form of generosity um, be a practice of, gen- of um, renunciation? Yes? I think for people who
0: are trusted by greed and, and I would count, count myself as one of them, um, this point is very poignant as well because you know when when you're caught up in greed, when you do decide to try to practice generosity, I find myself in this terrible habit of automatically discounting anything that I could give. You know, you get very reactive. You think, oh, I should give everything, but I can't. And and I think this idea that you know, the gift is actually in the mother receiving. It's quite so profound because I think most of the time we actually don't know what we're giving.
1: What about if you also see that giving and receiving are interdependent? Mm-hmm. So sometimes <coughs> a form of generosity is actually to receive. You know? Like that neighbor who says good morning to you every morning, and you mm-hmm. haven't had your coffee yet. Instead, you look them in the eye and you say good morning. And your other neighbor, who you don't really want to say good morning to, (laughs) then you take the neighbor who said good morning, you take their good morning, and you just let it pass (coughs) transparently through you and give it to them. And then just let good morning pass around through your community. Don't hold on to it. It's like we have a friend who just <coughs> made a record that is very, um, he's really having a lot of success with it. And um, it's really great to see his success. Um, and one of the pieces of advice that Michelle offered to him was when you get a good review, you know, leave it alone. Because then, like we were talking about yesterday, then your moods are dependent on the good review, the bad review, the good Mm -hmm. review, the bad review, and both create a kind of story that you begin telling about yourself. And when you look into the effect of the good review and the effect of the bad review, it's exactly the same in the mind. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same. Some people say the ego is just the door of the breath swinging open and swinging closed. (coughs) And to be careful about where the ego stops swinging and gets fixed. And so what lubricates the hinge of the ego is generosity, is compassion, is not holding on. And I I think you're right, Angela, I think that it's always a challenge to practice this as a way of being and not as an ideal that you're aiming toward, but actually practicing it now. And that's why I said the other day, if you're going to renounce something, pick something that you can let go of right now. And all those little things that you can renounce right now, they hook up with each other and create a (laughs) (laughs) lanyard. You know, you're you're weaving them together. Or maybe you're not weaving them together, but they're already woven together already woven together.
3: You know the uh, Oscar Wilde quote that, that was a big quote about there are many things we would give up or give away if we weren't afraid someone else would pick them up. Good <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> and that feels,
2: feels bad, probably. Oh, oh.
1: <laughs> Here's what Stephen Batchelor um, writes about um, let's actually say it's about these samskaras we are formed from the patterning of the DNA derived from our parents the firing of a hundred billion neurons in our brains the cultural and historical conditioning of the 20th century, the education and upbringing given us all the experiences we've ever had and all of the choices we've ever made. These processes conspire to configure the unrepeatable trajectory that culminates in this present moment. What is here now is the unique but shifting impression left by all of this which I call me. These processes conspire to configure the unrepeatable trajectory that culminates in this present moment. Unrepeatable, so subjectivity. What is here now is the unique but shifting impression left by all of this, which I call me. What are you holding on to? If you don't come into the world (coughs) as a clean slate, And you can't ever be a clean slate because of the nature of the mind-body process, of the cultural process, of the complete seamlessness of individual and culture and nature. And we talked yesterday about how nature means everything. And how healing means wholeness. And how, as John taught us the past couple of days, wholeness can't be added to or subtracted from call that dualism but it's not from the perspective of the practitioner it's intimacy complete interdependence where everything is complete as it is when there's acceptance and then when you see that completeness you also see that there's work to do because of the completeness there's imperfection Because everything's complete, and because you can tolerate difference, there's imperfection. And then there's work to do, because there's going to be imbalance in wholeness. And that's where the healing of the person comes from, the healing of the planet, the healing of the culture, the healing of our rivers. For a holy river, the Ganges is a mess. For a holy river, the nadis in our bodies are clogged up. They're clogged up with everything capitalism, materialism, you name it. Every ism is clogged in the arteries of the mind body process. And that's why we practice pranayama. And that's why we practice ethics. And that's why we practice some restraint. So we can unrestrain. Right? We, can, we, we, we practice these restraints to find the unconditioned state that's available to us in every, 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 every moment. Because there isn't even a moment. Just like the sun does not set, there is no such thing as the present moment. <laughs> it's a ridiculous assertion. Try and find the present moment. So, I want to make uh, a few suggestions, if I may, for how to combine practice and a way of moving through this path of ashtanga yoga, of eight limbs of yoga, without freezing the ahamkara, without letting those hinges get rusty. Um, Because practice doesn't arrive uh, fully unfolded. In the same way that Stephen Batchelor says here, you know, you don't come into the world fully unfolded. You being unfolded all the time. Being is unfolding. Uh, the first proposition for, um, I don't know if we'd call it agnostic practice, but something close to that, is um, concentrating on old, simple questions. When you go into the body and you really let the mind settle, the thing you end up with is very simple feeling. It's amazing in psychotherapy when somebody is really coming close to a moment of transformation, which you can feel when someone has one of those aha moments. It's usually a very simple feeling, so simple. The boy passing the lanyard to his mother. The feeling is usually so basic. I'm lonely. I'm working too hard. Really simple. So I'd say the first proposition for maturing our practice in terms of how we think about what we're doing in the world and what we're doing with our practice, is getting to those basic questions. Basic questions. And remember, it's a question. Um, And then taking those feelings and um, (coughs) spending time with them so you can clarify them in different contexts. And you go look in old poems and you find those old questions. Some teachers say, don't read. Don't read too much. Just practice. And uh, I don't know. I think you should go read. But I think you (laughs) should be wise in what you read. And so if there's an aspect of practice that is really calling you Go read everything that everyone's written about that, and start with the poetry. The poet knows that if he or she wants to understand something, they have to go into the market and talk to the people selling (coughs) the tomatoes, and then go to the farmer and find out how that tomato is grown, and then talk to the tomato. And get to know the tomato. So that the poet can look with really clear eyes at the link between things. Without uh, thinking that there's an objective way of knowing about the farmer's market. So get to those old simple questions. And your basic, basic feelings. Without too much narrative. Number two. Um, Try to find out what you really think. What do you really think? What do you really think? I'm just going to say that again. Find out what you really think not borrowed ideas like oh okay this is the pranic pattern okay I'm going to just pull my arms up because it's a pranic pattern but what do your arms do when you inhale <coughs> oh that's Mula Bandha. <coughs> okay I've got that now what's the next Manda <coughs> what do you know about Mula Bandha? Like, oh yeah, every morning I wake up and do the primary series. But what do you know about the primary series? I don't care that you do the primary series every morning, but I'd love to hear about what the primary series is for you. Are you scared
2: of the primary series?
1: Do you go instead for hot dogs to avoid the primary series? Do you go instead to Pilates to avoid the primary series? Oh, well, it's not for me. Okay, fine. What is for you? Now go into that. Go into that. What do you really know? What do you really know? Be a midwife to yourself. Be your own midwife. So you can make some space. I mean, a midwife does not deliver the kid, really. But the midwife helps that process happen. So what can you do to help a process happen where you can find that place of real creativity where you know what you think? You may not know who you are, but you can find out what you think. So you can arrive, as Proust said yesterday, you can arrive at that place of wisdom, which is the place you arrive to after a journey through the landscape that no one else can make for you. A journey that leads ultimately to wisdom, which is the way you end up seeing the world. So... Put aside borrowed ideas. Put aside unverifiable ideas. Verify what Muldabandha is. Verify what is downward facing dog. (coughs) What is that? What is that for you? What is vinyasa for you? Are you jumping back because someone told you that you should jump back? Number three, be guided by your hates as well as your loves. Don't be guided just by what you like, but be guided also by what you detest. (coughs) When you do your practice... Do you only do what you're good at? Are you falling asleep? At the end of the day, when you're tired and you've finished washing the dishes, do you and your lover just do the same thing every single night? What's the groove? And be creative. Don't sleep in front of a reality television show. Don't drift through your life. Don't drift in meditation practice. Don't drift in the asana practice. Don't drift in the pranayama practice. So be guided by what you love, and be guided by what you hate. You see, I think it's really important to support all of you in finding out what this practice creates for you. It's going to shift your life. The tectonic plates of your whole life are going to shift a little bit. And when they do, you're going to see some things. And one of those things you might see is what's important? What's important for you? And how to now cultivate the practice so it can really support you to take action in that realm. And number four <coughs> is the last one. Um, the door opens from the other side. In other words, you have to pass through a stage of complete loss. Don Cuppet, in more theological terms, calls this the stage of nihilism. You have to pass through a stage of complete loss. And I mean complete loss. Where the loss completes itself. Where you don't know anything. Sometimes I tell people who are in this (coughs) state that you should let go of everything Except the Yamas. The Yamas will be the thing that holds you together when you fall apart. Understanding that there's a difference between disintegration and unintegration. And with practice, we don't disintegrate. <coughs> we don't disintegrate but we unintegrate and you have to pass through that phase where you go to pieces without falling apart and then there's some freedom why is there freedom? because you pass through a stage of real loss What set that up? What set that up is knowing what you really think and being guided by what's present so that you can really think clearly. So our commitment is to the way that the truth presents itself in each and every moment and thus is always shifting. Mm -hmm. Not to dogma not to doctrine. We're committed to present experience, not to doctrine. So if, as we were saying, the second axial stage may be marked by Mm -hmm. the qualities of communication and equality or (coughs) a kind of more democratic in the best sense of (coughs) that word uh, way of being together then um, what we know about truth being something that's moving around is something that we can touch every moment because we have the skills of being present every moment and that's not just a philosophical viewpoint that truth is shifting but that we can be touched by it, every moment. Because we're looking honestly, satya, honesty. Any thoughts, questions, comments, poetry?
0: were in this position, we were talking and okay. we are listening. And um, we, you know, we asked questions or comment and I really enjoyed that um, people had homework to do, had things to do and had to offer.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
0: I think that when you know these all of these precepts in terms of you verifying your experience, see what you think, see mm-hmm. ask questions and so on, that that requires a lot of um, individual work, and that it's difficult for people, and I include myself in this, to to make that effort. Mm -hmm. It's easy to listen to Mm -hmm. you, and to take in what you say, and Mm -hmm. to make that my own, or our own. It's much more work to go away and have to work with a piece of work, and then bring it back to others, because then one is being put in that that role and have to struggle with all of those things, you know, like yes. their own not knowing and knowing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah. and I think that yeah. I, just what came to mind was that yeah. I would like to see even more of that, because yeah. I think that you <coughs> obviously can ask the questions and mm-hmm. you can talk. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I think that, I think it's useful for people like us, especially if we're, since we're all adults,
3: mm-hmm. In some form or another, mm-hmm. that, that you
0: know, to be um, pushed in that way, because I also think that it it also becomes an expression of one's commitment. Like there are many ways to be committed to your practice,
2: right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, that was just sort of yeah. rising up in me, and I think also because of your charisma and mm-hmm. your knowledge, and you've got mm-hmm. such a you know mm-hmm. wonderful handle and mm-hmm. synthesis on this and so much. Mm-hmm. As I just said, I've read some of these books that, you know, and that's a real gift for, especially for me, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to read all those books. I know mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's great to soak get in, but then I think, mm-hmm. like, I think there's a risk, a danger in that, mm-hmm. of being able to just be a passive recipient and say, oh, wow, I received all this knowledge. I don't actually have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So to be forced to take it <clears> away and chew on it, mm-hmm. and then, uh, well, here's what I really think. Yeah. everybody. So I think
2: that would yeah.
3: be a... I think more of that is, mm-hmm. would be helpful. I don't know why other people think about. Yeah, that. And not other people
1: like, right? But. Sure. I mean, I hope I, I've planted those seeds mm-hmm. in your bodies this week, because you know, this is how I work with people <clears> individually, which is, you know, not how you're supposed to work as a psychotherapist, but I don't even know if that's what I do, but um, <laughs> you know, when I start... Uh, assisting people in creating a meditation practice, I always give them homework. Mm -hmm. Always. And the homework is not just the meditation. It's the yams. Mm. So that they're starting on the basic ground that you do the meditation practice and you pay attention to your actions and the effect of your actions. So that You don't get caught in thinking that your practice (coughs) um, is just going to somehow manifest in the world positively. Um, Because I just don't know if that's true.
0: So, increasing concern for others. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, you look around at the yoga community, like Christian Aid is doing a much better job in the culture. So, how can we meet that? And one of the ways you can meet that is getting still in yourself and finding out who you are. I don't mean who you are in an exit, because I've been saying to put that question down in a way. But, But be who you are. And part of that also means expressing yourself. And so, how are we going to do that? That's the essence of this practice. That's the essence of this practice. And so that's what I feel my job is, is to share, and then whatever you're bringing is just to, like, give it back (laughs) to you. Like, okay, now you go do something with that. It's one of the things that I really like about having a place like this that's not a commercial studio because the people who study here are not guaranteed jobs of teaching here. Mm -hmm. And so that means when... (laughs) 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 And, you know, when I go teach, I'm not taking any of you on the road to help me. Mm -hmm. And I could use the help, but... (laughs) And the benefit that, as is I'm saying, okay, so part of this democratic process, if now we're using this language, but part of that process means, okay, now I see that there's something that you enjoy about this practice. So now, go take it out into the world, like, be careful about this yoga studio model. okay, well now I'm going to take it out in here. <laughs> you know, now I want to teach a class and, you know, no, go take that into the world. And it doesn't have to be taken into the world in yoga form. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So go take it into the world, but don't have too many preconceptions about what that's going to look like. Remember, borrow from unexpected places. I was watching this movie. uh, We just got wireless. Um, So uh, I have a couple of websites that like, I'm just addicted to right now. <laughs> um, and uh, I found this great movie about Bernie Glassman that I've been watching, it's online. Uh, for those of you that know Bernie Glassman, or don't know Bernie Glassman, he, he's the founder of the Zen Peacemaker Order, which is uh, what Roshi was referring to on the weekend. And actually they just built a big center, they just built a big center in Manhattan. And He had this transformative experience um, after many years of being a Zen teacher where he realized that the hungry ghosts, which is what this picture is that we always keep here. This is actually a painting by Trungpa Rinpoche. That the hungry ghosts, which are your desires, can't ever be satisfied. That... Your hunger can't actually be satisfied. Your practice actually won't satisfy it. They can't be satisfied. They can't be satisfied. By nature, they can't be satisfied. And so he realized then that his work now had to be eradicating homelessness in New York. That's his work, eradicating homelessness. Could you have picked a more idealistic thing? He says, I don't think (coughs) that you could ever eradicate homelessness. But (coughs) that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to eradicate homelessness. So what he did is he started a bakery, a for-profit bakery. This is not a non-profit model, a for-profit bakery And they picked a thing that New York is most known for. What's that? Bagels. Not bagels. Cheesecake. Uh And they said, we are going to make the best cheesecake in New York. And then we're going to hire only people who don't have work. And they created a bakery where they made the best cheesecake in New York. And everyone who was hired was unemployed or homeless. And then they bought the whole block all that land, they bought it. They built housing. They built a center for people with HIV. And also a place for the people who work at this bakery to live. And um, they are landlords of, I think, <laughs> two blocks in downtown Manhattan. You, know, you should go to bakery and see how they operate. And what they do is they have a for-profit, highly successful bakery. So they're trying to use the model that's out there. Mm-hmm. And they take all the profits and they create housing and shelter and uh, health care in an area where there was no housing, no health care. For the people who would never buy cheesecake.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And when you watch him, He mostly teaches as a clown. And he has a clowning sangha, they're called the order of disorder. (laughs) (laughs) And this is how he teaches Zen. It's a really inspiring model. Don't repeat that model, because that's his model. Don't try and do that here. Now their thing is bearing witness programs. So they just have been doing every year, they go to Auschwitz and they sit there and they do a retreat sitting in Auschwitz, bearing witness. Or they went to Berlin. I don't know the name of the famous park in Berlin where it, they have a, just a huge portion of the population are heroin addicts. And they go into the park and they sit there for a week. Or street retreats, which is something we're planning in Toronto, where they go into the street. You're not allowed to bring anything, no (coughs) robes, no money, no food, no backpack, nothing. And you go downtown and you walk around for three or four days. And you figure out how you're going to sleep and you start talking to the most unexpected people and you bear witness to what it's like to be in your city without everything that you have and you practice a street retreat never mind the Bahamas (coughs) you you can all do that but go into your neighborhood and bear witness but don't do that don't do that here because that's their model don't do that here What is your model? (coughs) What do you think? What are you going to let go of? Roshi said something on the weekend that I just love. She said, turn to your friend and say, oh, you can help. Oh, yeah, and you know her, so maybe she can help. And just pick something and do it. What's the thing you're worrying about in your community? Do that.
0: I think this is essential, and Mm -hmm. um, my husband, who actually eschews most of uh, these kinds of practices, although Mm -hmm. he comes and goes, right? Mm -hmm. But he, uh, uh, one of the things he really detested about um, uh, one of the communities I was involved in was that he felt that most of the work people were really just doing for themselves. so he, um, he got very involved with actually a group of developers and they've they done work down in Guatemala and various places in terms of building orphanages and medical clinics and stuff. But um, he, uh, the thing about difference that you were talking about, it's mm-hmm. tolerance, uh, tolerance, difference, he said that, um, and he has this way of being able to get people to do this stuff. With him. And, but they would say, well, how come you're not like dealing with kids here? Mm-hmm. Like, why not help the kids here who mm-hmm. are starving and hungry mm-hmm. or are poor and everything? Mm-hmm. And he said, because we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And it's too easy to do it here and think mm-hmm. that the children mm-hmm. here are more important than the children there in yeah. the world country. And so mm-hmm. it's important to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, see mm-hmm. that there's... Mm-hmm. And in fact, they're far worse off. But anyway, mm-hmm. but there's no difference anyway. So yeah. I, think it's, I think it's important mm-hmm. to... Yeah. to potential to take it beyond our own yeah.
1: personal life. yeah and be creative Yeah. I mean look in this <coughs> room and for those of you who know some of the other people in this community you know look around at the people you know because uh, we have profound resources here
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I always joke with Michelle that like most of the people who come here are broke <laughs> but amazing resources resources think about what we can do. Mm -hmm. So whatever you picked up this week, don't hold on to it. (laughs) Give it away. And you are going to know how to give it away. You will know how to give it away.
0: You know where I struggle -hmm. with this, particularly in relation to you? Mm -hmm. is because I kind of stand in a space where my immediate reaction to anything Mm-hmm. Yeah. that is my immediate reaction to anything you know <coughs> and to take it out because yeah. that's my background yeah. it's really a background of social services yeah. social action. but in the organizing something gets lost mm-hmm. and I'm very aware of that uh-huh. so it's how this one and we're talking about your son mm-hmm. this son mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and so actually have actually been talking about it it's yeah, yeah, amazing yeah. that you should bring this mm-hmm. topic up mm-hmm. this morning is it's this what you did
1: in karaoke yeah. Like we say
0: incredible resource base and um doing things together uh-huh. would really be wonderful uh-huh. rather than doing things apart. Uh-huh. Right. But how do we start?
3: Uh-huh.
0: Keep it fairly organic.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Um but organized as well, because Mm -hmm. we're never going to be able to do it if we don't have some Mm -hmm. form of organic
3: organization. Mm -hmm. But I
0: think you will find quite a few people in this Mm -hmm. group very interested Mm -hmm. in what Mm -hmm. you have to say. Mm -hmm. I think Gordon and I are just
3: flabbergasted
0: that you're talking about it. (laughs) We've been Mm -hmm. going about it for two nights now.
3: And you, you know, we need people like you Mm -hmm. who are... Because I know I can spit out a million ideas, but to kind of put get the pieces of the puzzle, <laughs> in here, so that's in it, but much it. Go, Tina, go! Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really I have
0: good. to tell you, I'm
2: in I'm, I'm a kind of uh, a
0: place in my life where it's the stuff I'm giving up, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that it's very tough <laughs> <frustrating laughs> in that sense, because it's my immediate reaction, and I, that I know that part of my practice and I know it's deep. it's also to let that come. So, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's,
3: it's, um, Everything about acting in this practice. That's
2: what I feel about.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. So maybe you'll give it to others. Share those skills with others. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: I think
2: you. you do
0: want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
3: I know. That's the... That's yeah. a reflection. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of the calls. You know, sometimes in my life, for instance, I got to a point where I never wanted to see my book, work with another book, work with another <laughs> word whatever I <it> can. <laughs> so. so I have this hiatus, and all of a sudden I'm called back to it, and it's just kind of happened, and I why am I doing this? Well, maybe that's mm-hmm. what I'm here to do. Maybe that's what I'm here to do. With, so, uh, except that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, y'all see what happens. But it's interesting because some of the things yeah. you resist most, mm-hmm. they are again resisting, resisting. Like, uh, like yesterday I said about the third meditation, you know? The first two, is I'm so, finally, I'm so tired of thinking about myself. I'm not going to think about myself anymore. <laughs> <that> Wait. <laughs> right, not right, man? You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's yeah. have you ever had that experience in meditation where finally you just feel tired yeah. and then you say okay I'm going to do it now yeah. and, and then five minutes later you're back <laughs> but that's, that's that's a great insight when you go okay there's two ways to go here I can just go back into the old thing or whoa there's actually a little window here. No. And I can step through that. I can look through that.
0: I had this experience yesterday. Um, you weren't here. <laughs> 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 but
2: anyway. Not that you know of. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to ask what to say after another. But anyway, they were all in
0: here. Anyway, I'm looking at the wall. Mm-hmm. And so, I was, I was talking to Kathy about this. Anyway. And um, so one of the things that came up that there was just so much stuff that came up so much physical sensation and you know, my wall. And um, and I, I had these thoughts after like what the fuck am I doing? Like mm-hmm. and so I have this work I'm doing right now, I have this group that with doing my clinical work and it's a combination of um, psychotherapeutic work with mm-hmm. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And we maxed this group at twenty five and I never mm-hmm. thought twenty five people would come mm-hmm. like when we put yeah. the thing out there. I thought, oh, you know, it's okay. It won't. I didn't think, right? So, yeah. I mean, we have 34 people in it, and yeah. I've been like,
2: Ugh.
0: and then I was looking at the wall, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this group work? You don't know what you're doing.
2: Like, <laughs> you have no clue what you're doing. <laughs> what are you doing Anyway, so then I just thought, well, mm-hmm. so, uh,
0: you don't know, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I was just thinking of what Jordan was saying. Well, so this is what you do. So mm-hmm. then you just, I guess I'll just do the best I can do, and yeah.
2: Yeah. that's the
4: end. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed um, with the people who come in and out of my life, whether as friends or as students or teachers or whatever, um, there's a lot of, lot of repeat of what you said. I hear it myself you know. And when we look at it in the practice of um, uh, seeing and taking the time to pause and see, mm-hmm. a lot of our um, hamster behave behavior, that's what i like to see mm-hmm. you know, we get awful right back on there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do this, yet. you find that every gap, or least, excuse me, I find mm-hmm. that in every one of my gaps, mm-hmm. I fill it with something else. Mm-hmm. and I don't want to do this, I'm so burdened. I have so many things to do. Why do mm-hmm. I do this? Kathy's heard this a million times. Like I start doing this, I, you know, doing that. This is what I want to do, but why I do this, I do this and do that. And when, you, when I'm unfolding my neuroses mm-hmm. and, and what makes me like consume so much doing mm-hmm. and this desire to start and to create and make things and, mm-hmm. and to watch people come together... I said something somebody the other night. Was talking about yoga community that I created like, you the only yoga community that's in Green Bay for myself to bring people. Like I sit here and know "This is so fucking cool," because I like all of you. <laughs> 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 I
2: take all of you. I would stay
0: in
4: bed. know, versus what a, a different life that I've lived, where it's like I cannot stand you. Yet I interact with you nine and a half hours a day. Yet I would never take you anywhere near my mother. I and mean, it's like, I just <laughs> to do that because you know. And essentially, just looking at your own disease. But anyway, back back to what I'm saying. So it's to be able to look at my my behavior, my consumption, my regurgitation, mm-hmm. my control, all this, and and look at it and go, okay. But in that. Spinning and that hamster wheel, neurotic behavior. I've collected some really good skills: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the ability to do certain things, the ability to manifest. Mm-hmm. And so we go. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to. Blah blah blah. And then, but then you start up. But there's these skills that you have that really benefit community and benefit people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then how can I use these skills, which are good skills, mm-hmm. but make them void of the neurotic Mm -hmm. fulfillment of the hungry (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm ghost. So how can I step in and create this thing? How can I use my skills to to organize or to um, entice Mm -hmm. or seduce? Mm -hmm. You know, so if you have seductive neuroses, how can you be seductive in a good way rather than a Mm self-absorbed narcissistic manner? Mm -hmm. That's, to me, Mm -hmm.
2: razor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: without dissolving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but rather examining. I think we really feel the tension of what T has raised um, between the desire for organization because you know I'm also part of the community sector and it's so over organized it strangles the life out of everything it touches Mm -hmm. no matter how beautiful (laughs) it could (laughs) be you know and and so you know I'm constantly wondering how do I bring people that have done professionally more closer to this mm-hmm. purpose and and I think the tension is between the desire to be brilliant and effective and uh, uh, i I don't even know what the other side, is. Mm-hmm. but uh. It's so fascinating hearing the topic of Bernie Glassman's success immediately, because I, I tried to set up these fencers, mm-hmm. you know, people who don't have work, put them mm-hmm. into work, and the thing immediately I thought was, but, but these are people who really are very, like, well, what is the structure that helps them work? What yeah, makes them job. work? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I've with that with youth, and they don't show up on time, they mm-hmm. don't deliver a product, they don't, they are consistent mm-hmm. from that. And yet, how do you make cheesecake at the end mm-hmm. of
2: the
0: day?
2: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with you completely, we cannot borrow from that model, because the people who are here will mm-hmm. not be the people who are there. Whoever you put together here will be utterly unique, and we as we are, we <coughs> have our own way of working with yeah. Um, and so I'm very, very compelled by this bearing witness program because it will really start from where we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And once we know this, at least, at least we have one, one part of the crucial equation, which is what we bring. Yes. Yeah. And, and furthermore, we'll be in a place to really be able to see what another person brings, even if they are not maybe so practicing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's where the organization comes from, in terms of this bearing witness your, your kind of retreats that you're talking about, mm-hmm. Michael, is yes, the linking up, like linking up to the city, for example, that the homeless business, linking up with the media. Because it has to go beyond just one's personal experience of where Oh, yes. But, right? you know, I think if you find, like, um, like, okay, you asked us what would we let go at this mm-hmm. week, and I started just now thinking, you know, I have to let go of speed. And, you know, I've always complained like, oh, I'm not a physical person, I'm not very fast, and slow. And then all of a sudden, I'm now allowed to be slow,
2: fact, this is a good thing. And I think if you find
0: those places that you can make a in and you don't allow yourself, you will find a way mm-hmm. in, and, and the connections that you need to make, they will be made not out of obligation, duty, and conduct, but they will be made out of affection. You'll find the person that can be your uh, what do they call it the Mac- Malcolm
1: Black the connector the connectors communicators mm-hmm. so you know I, I don't want to go too much further down this road because I don't want to plan something yeah. right now <laughs> 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 but again renunciation and togetherness are interdependent. They go together. As renunciation happens, there's togetherness. And as togetherness happens, renunciation happens. And they're lubricated by tenderness and compassion and impeccable attention. So, I'm going to read Lanyard one more time. And then, We'll have a couple minutes to organize the room, and then we'll practice. The Lanyard. The other day, as I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, bouncing from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to an envelope lying on the floor, I found myself in the L section of the Dictionary where my eyes fell upon the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one more suddenly into the past. A past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake, learning how to braid thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them, but that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breasts, and I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted teaspoons of medicine to my lips, set cold face cloths on my forehead, then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim. And I, in turn, presented her with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said, (laughs) and here is clothing and a good education. And here is your lanyard, I replied, (laughs) which I made with a little help from a counselor. Here is a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, "'and two clear eyes to read the world,' she whispered. "'And here,' I said, "'is the lanyard I made at camp. "'And here,' I wish to say to her now, "'is a smaller gift. "'Not the archaic truth that you can never repay your mother, "'but the rueful admission that when she took "'the two-tone lanyard from my hands, "'I was as sure as a boy could be (laughs) "'that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom "'would be enough to make us even.'"